Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. It says, and if you don't have a Bible, by the way, you can read this on the screen. I want you to read this with me. It says, one day, long ago, God's word came to Jonah, a Mittai's son, up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. And so what you see here is that God is arriving at Jonah's house and he's saying, hey, listen, I got a mission for you. I got a purpose for you. And he says, I want you to preach to them. They're in a, they're in a bad way and I can't ignore it any longer. Isn't it great that even when we turn our back on God, God continues to pursue us. But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish. Look at what it says. It says, running away from God. He was running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa and found a ship headed to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went on board, joining those going to Tarshish as far away from God as he can get. Now, if you know the story of Jonah, Jonah, just to, if you don't know the story, let me just recap it really quickly for you. At that moment, Jonah gets on a ship and he's headed over to Tarshish. Isn't it interesting that when God speaks to you, there's always, the enemy always brings something your way to lead you in the opposite direction of what God has for you. And so Jonah gets on that boat. He heads clearly the opposite direction from where God wants him to go. And so when he gets on the ship, the, the sailors, they go crazy. They're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? We're in the middle of a storm now. And they start unpacking everything. They start throwing things overboard in a series of conversations. They finally find out that it's Jonah and that's why the storm is there. And so Jonah's like, hey, throw me off this boat. I'm Just throw me off. The Bible says that these men threw him off the boat. And when they threw him off the boat, Jonah got swallowed by a whale or by a big fish. And I want you to look at what it says. This is amazing. For three days, Jonah called out to God in prayer. And I want you to look at what he says. He says, he says, the Lord brought me up from the grave. He said, the Lord brought me up from the grave. Anybody grateful that God has brought them up out of the grave? He called my name. All right, I'm going to leave that to Anthony. All right, here we go. And then he, he prays to the Lord. And one of the things that he says at the conclusion of his prayer, he says, he says, the Lord is the one who saves. On this Easter Sunday, that's what I want to communicate to our church and for those that are visiting today, that it's the Lord who is the one who saves. See, the reason that Jonah is a picture of the resurrection is because Jesus knew what the story of Jonah was about. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, he says, Jonah was three days and three nights in the stomach of a big fish. The son of man will be three days and three nights in the grave. I have news for you that Jonah was in the belly of a big fish for three days and for three nights and he was rescued from the grave 
but Jesus Christ wasn't rescued for the, from the grave. He conquered the grave. Anybody grateful that he has conquered the grave? And so the story of Jonah is, a, is really a runaway story. And, I, and, and, if, and if this was any other day of the week, I would probably preach a message entitled, I think God is chasing you. Or maybe I'll, I'll do something like this. Hey, I think it's time you stop running. But because we're on this series entitled, Get Your Ship Together, my message to you is this. Stop your ship. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Jesus, that you're here in this place. You're in our midst, oh God. We thank you that the, the tomb is empty this morning, God. And when your disciples went looking for you, when they went looking to see if you were still there, there was good news that morning that you were raised from the grave. And because you were raised from the grave, we also were raised from the grave. And because you conquered the grave, we know that we have resurrection power living on the inside of us, oh God. And so we thank you and we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody give God a shout of praise in this room. By the way, it's okay to get excited in church. I'm one of those hollaback preachers, so it's okay to say amen. Say, go ahead, preacher. Say, take your time, take your time. Come on, give God a shout of praise one more time in this room. Uh, how, how many how many ever had to run for their life? Mm-hmm. Make some noise if you ever had to run for your life. Like, and, and, and listen, and let's be honest, when you have to run for your life, it is no laughing matter. When you have to run for your life, it's usually because you are running from something that is about to harm you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like growing up in Flatbush, Brooklyn, uh, my family and I, we at one time had to run for our lives literally this happened we were on our way back from church it was 11 p.m you're wondering why you are at church at 11 p.m because the holy spirit didn't care that you had toddlers and you had to bring them to school in the morning the holy spirit didn't just care we were in church every single day so on one of those days we were coming back from church and this is what happened we're coming back from church and there's a group of people maybe about 50 people a mob of people and that mob of people begin to separate themselves and we're dead in the middle of this mob of people then they start fighting each other they start throwing glass bottles they start uh taking out knives they start going after each other me and my mom and my brother it was only two of us at the time we're there my mom picked us up and she says run and she I'm telling we had to run for our lives and if you ever raised in a Hispanic home oh you are professional at running for your life come on somebody you was a professional I'm telling you there was one time my brother and I my brother on a on a less intense occasion my brother and I we had to run from our life for our lives because our father was chasing us with the belt it, it, it's true it's true it, we're literally running for our lives and by the way I am very clear and I understand that nowadays this is called child abuse but back then it was called parenting come on somebody 
And so we had to run for our lives. I'm telling you, I ran because he had the belt all cocked back all the way back here. He, I ran and I dived into the middle of the bunk bed. Come on, if you a middle child, you appreciate the bunk bed. You, I dived into the middle of the bunk bed. My father swings back, smacks the top bunk bed. But I may, I may believe like he hit me. Come on, somebody. You got to be smart. You know what I'm saying? I said, ah! And my little brother who's doing security right now, he went on the top bunk bed. See, he didn't use wisdom. My father caught him and put the beats on him. We call that parenting. Come on, somebody. He put the beats on him. He came to me afterward. He goes, are you okay? I saw the way he smacked your back. I said, sucker. I said, I fronted the whole time. But let me tell you, we were professionals at running for our lives. Why? Because if something is harming you, how many know that you got a book? You got to run. But I had this thought, like, it's okay to run when something is trying to hurt you. But what happens when we run from something that's trying to help us? Can I explain what I mean? Like, I, I, I was dog sitting. And by the way, I don't have business cards that are for dog sitting. So please don't ask me to watch your dog. Come on. Stop. I'm a pastor, okay? And so I was asked to dog sit Jenny's dog, Jenny and Kelby's dog. And when I had this dog on the leash, this dog decided that it was going to get out of his harness. And of course, what does the dog do? Oh, it books it. And of course, it doesn't book it back home. You know what it does? It books it in the middle of the street. <laughs> and it beams over to the street. And I'm over here chasing this dog. And I could imagine, I look, the dog looked back at me, looked back at me, because I, I saw the dog look, let me see how fast I can make this 100, 250 guy pound run. And he booked it into the street. I chased after this dog. And isn't it interesting that the dog was running after the very thing that was trying to help it? That the dog was, wasn't running from its problem, the dog was running from its protector. See, because the, the dog was running in the middle. Now, I live literally across the street from a highway. So it's like a, it's like a side road and, and um, a service road. And that dog ran into the middle of the street. And I went and I grabbed that dog. The dog was running from the very thing that was trying to help it. And I find it interesting because so many times we begin to run from the very thing that's trying to protect us and not harm us. You see, when you're running from something that's trying to harm you, that's called running for your life. But when you're running from something that's trying to save you, that's called running from your life. <sighs> see, can I talk to you about Jonah? Church, can I tell you that Jonah wasn't running from that which was trying to harm him. He was running from the very thing that was trying to help him. That Jonah wasn't running from the very thing that, he wasn't running from something that was a problem in his life. He was running from the very thing that was trying to give him purpose in his life. See, he wasn't running for his life. He was running from the very life that God had created him for. He wasn't running from the thing that was trying to harm him or bring him chaos. He was running from the thing that was trying to give him purpose. And I really believe in this Sunday afternoon at PS16, John J. Driscoll School in Staten Island, New York on an Easter Sunday, that God has a message for you today. 
and his prophetic message and I'm telling you that I believe this is a prophetic message under the unction of the Holy Spirit that he wants to tell this to somebody this morning that you can stop running that you can stop running I don't know about you, but I've spent years running from God. I've spent years running from my purpose and running from my calling and running from, from God and running from, for, for his will for my life. But God came to tell you this Easter Sunday that you don't have to keep running. You don't have to keep rejecting. You don't have to keep avoiding that he's not chasing you to hurt you, but he's chasing you to help you. The church, can I tell you that God is not sending you that so that it can destroy you. He's chasing after you because he wants to place you in your destiny that you can can stop running he's not pursuing you to punish you but he's pursuing you to give you purpose that he's not after you to condemn you but he's after you to care for you can I tell you this morning that you can stop running you see sometimes in order for us to get our ship together we have to stop running we have, a, we have to stop our ship. And I think the first thing that God wants to tell you, and this is the thing that God does, right? He's in the business of pursuing people. You know that God is passionately pursuing you. Even this morning, the reason that you're here is because God is passionately pursuing you. And I want you to write this first point down. That one of the ways that God gets you to stop running is number one, that God interrupts your plans with his purpose. Amen. Write that down wherever you are. God will interrupt your plans with his purpose. Now it's obvious by the time we get to verse 3 that Jonah did not have Nineveh in mind. Come on somebody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like he had, Nineveh was not in his foresight it was not something Jonah was living his ordinary regular casual life naturally he had his own desires naturally he had his own wants naturally he had his own perspective naturally he had his own goals and he never had what God had in mind for him guess what whatever God had in mind was not part of Jonah's plans because when God comes up and shows up to Jonah he says hey Jonah I want you to go to Nineveh Jonah's like, Nineveh what? Nineveh! Nineveh who? Nineveh! Nineveh what? Nineveh who? Nineveh what? Nineveh who? He's like, you want me to go? You want me to go to that place where they are beheading the people that they hold captive? You want me to go to that place where lewdness and violence run the street rampant? You want me to go to that place that when they when they capture a people, that place, that place, they 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 take their skulls and they create mountains. You want me to go to that place? And at first, I thought that Jonah didn't want to go there because he was scared of the place. But when you read further, you realize that Jonah didn't want to go there because God was so loving. Because he tells God, the reason that I don't want to go there is because you'll forgive them. See, what Jonah was doing, that Jonah didn't want to rise to the life that God had created him for. See, and I think that's sometimes why we go running. The reason that we go running is because we don't want to give up our agenda for God's assignment. See, sometimes we go running because we don't want to give up what God has assigned for our lives, for the agenda we have planned in our lives. But God 
is a God that will interrupt your regularly scheduled program to invite you to a kind of life that you can never dream of on your own, that you would have to depend on him. And all Jonah was able to do was to, all he was able to see was his agenda. This is what I have planned. This is what I have in my goals. This is what I have in my agenda. This is what I, have you ever, yeah, I mean, anybody like me, like once you have your day planned, like can't nobody interrupt your plans. Come on, somebody. Anybody, right? Like me and my wife, when we go to the store, like when we go, when I pick her up from work and she tells me, hey, can we just stop at the store real quick? I'm like, I didn't have that in my agenda. She's like, she's like, we're just going to the store. I was like, no, we're not just going to the store. You are deconstructing my agenda that I had planned for this day. And at 4 p.m., I wasn't planning to go to the store. I was planning to be in the office so that I can finish what I have to do because I don't have 30 minutes and I'm going to go to the store. And you don't even know what you want from the store until you get there. So we're not going to go to the store. And so we got to... Anybody know what I'm talking about? But, but God will interrupt your plans, you know. He'll interrupt your regularly scheduled program. And I just see Jonah wanting to live his ordinary, regular, mundane life. And all he can see was his plans. All he can see was his agenda. All he can see is what he had in mind. He was fixated on his perspective of life. And, and I love this because do we have any parents in the house? Any parents? Let me tell you what. When my daughter was five years old, I was picking up her up from New Jersey. And when I picked her up from New Jersey, she bought some nerds candy. Anybody know what nerds candy is? If you don't know what nerds candy is, ask your parents. And, but she had nerds candy. And, and, and I remember that she started eating it on the way back home. Now we have to cross a bridge. Now I'm on the bridge and all of a sudden, Sailor's like, Daddy, could you just stop the car? And I'm like, Selah, you can't, I can't stop the car. I'm on the bridge. Daddy, I'm trying to eat these nerds and you keep making me spill them because you don't want to stop driving the car. Can you just stop driving the car? And she was real sassy at five years old. I'm telling you, the Lord has set her free. That girl is set free, Holy Ghost filled, baptized. But I'm telling you, back then she was like, she was barely saved. I'm just saying, she, she was like, she was like, Daddy, can you just stop the car? And you know what? Can I tell you something? For the life of her, she could not understand why I couldn't stop the car. For the life of her, I was trying to explain it to her. I was like, Sayla, I can't stop the car right now. I can't stop the car for you. I have to get to the other side. If I stop the car right now, it could cause traffic. She's like, what's traffic? I'm like, Sayla, I can't. Sayla, I just got to keep driving. No, no. Can you just stop? I just want, what's the big deal? I just want to eat my nerds. I just want to eat my nerds candy. Can I just eat my nerds candy? And I'm like, and I can see that as a picture of us. Like we're just fixated what we want to do and what we have planned. See, I was, I was inconveniencing her and her plans and what her ride would look like going to Staten Island from New Jersey. Can I tell you, there is something about God's plan and God's interruption that will inconvenience your life. But I'm telling you that he's not inconveniencing your life to destroy you. He's not inconveniencing your life just to, just to irritate you. He's inconveniencing your life because he wants to invite you to live a greater form of life. 
he wants to he wants to interrupt your life because he wants you to live on the higher level of life which means that it would be you walking in your purpose do you know why god interrupts you because he loves you so much that he refuses to see you settle for anything less than what he's intended for your life can i tell you church that we serve a god that will interrupt your regularly scheduled program to introduce you to his extravagant purpose. We serve a God that will interrupt your life because you're not an afterthought, because you're not a footnote, because you're not a minimal subject on his agenda. He interrupts your life because he doesn't want you to settle for less than what he's intended for you. Listen, he's interrupting your life right now, not to be a problem and to be, uh, and to be a trip hazard. He wants to be in your life because he wants to provide you purpose is anybody here that is grateful for a God that has interrupted their life can I tell you today that God is God doesn't want you to settle he doesn't want you to settle for that job because he has a calling that's waiting for you he doesn't want you to settle for that man or that relationship because he has true love that is waiting for you. He doesn't want you to settle for what's ordinary ordinary because he has what's extraordinary that's waiting for you. I thank God that he's a God that interrupts. That in the middle of me going to a youth group service because there were some fly chicks there back then. I was 17. Lisa was already having kids. But that's besides the point. I was in a youth group. I thank God that in the middle of a youth group with bad intentions, never went there to meet God, went there to have a social experience, and God interrupted my regular scheduled program and introduced me to purpose. I thank God that almost two years ago, there was this a young girl named Amanda who walked in just to take pictures. She had no plans. She had no plans in mind to, to pursue her purpose. She had no plans to become a pastor. She had no plans to become a videographer. She had no plans for such a thing. She just came to take pictures, but in the middle of her taking pictures I said in the middle of her taking pictures God interrupted her regularly scheduled program and says daughter I have purpose for you daughter I got destiny for you daughter I might have a man for you but I'm just saying that in the middle of a podcast we were just going to record two episodes in the middle of a podcast but God interrupted our regularly scheduled program and said this is not just going to be a recording like you've done recordings before this recording is going to have destiny tied up all over it because it's in this place that I'm going to plant the seed so that Pastor Marquez and Pastor Rowe can join I thank God that we serve a God that interrupts a regularly scheduled program. And that's what he's doing today. What if you're here because God wants to interrupt? You thought you were just coming to an Easter service. But it's God interrupting your plans with his purpose. This is what he did for humanity, isn't it? Isn't Jonah a picture of Jesus? That while we were still enemies, while we were turning our backs on him, while we were running away, we had no plans to follow him. 
We had no plans to worship him. We had no plans to look for him. But while we were turning our back on him, God interrupted the course of human history by giving up his life and exchanging his life for ours. We serve a God that will interrupt your plans with his purpose. Come on, give God a shout of praise in this place. Man, the, the, you know what I, what I saw in the book of Jonah, that the second thing that God does to, to get you to stop running is that God will reroute your wrong choices. This one is... I thank God that God rerouted Jonah's wrong choices. See, God doesn't just interrupt your plans with his purpose, Hav. He reroutes your wrong choices. See, Jonah said, I'm chucking the deuce. I'm out. He literally goes in the opposite direction. The opposite direction that God wanted him to go. And because of his choices, this man has found himself in a storm. And now other people are being affected by it. Other people are being harmed by it. Not because of their choice, but because of his choice. Because here's the truth. Your choices don't just affect you. They affect those around you. And so, and so here's this man dealing with his choices. And in the middle of that, he gets thrown overboard. Guess what? That was his choice. God never said, hey, I need you to get thrown off ship. And Jonah was in some deep, deep waters. Got him. Anyway, Jonah was in some deep waters. And in the middle of those deep waters, look what the Bible says. In the middle of his dealing with his own consequences. Now, I'm telling you right now, if that was me, I'd be like, sabes que? I told you so. Come on, if I'm God, I'm like, that, that's what you get because I told you to go to Nineveh. And you decided that you were going to go to Tarshish. And, and now, you're, now, now you're in the middle of the ocean. Now you're about to die because of your consequences. And, and you know, if that was me, I would have been like, ¿Sabes qué? Bueno, que te pase. He had it coming. Come on. He had it coming, right? I thank God I'm not God. Because look what God does. Look, John chap, uh, Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. Watch this. I never saw this like I saw it yesterday. Watch this. Now the Lord had prepared a great... Wait, what? But he prepared a great fish. I wonder what his preparation looked like. That while Jonah was avoiding, God was arranging. Woo! All my friends, while you were walking in disobedience, God was walking in perfect obedience. While you were avoiding his love, oh, he was rearranging things for your good and for your purpose. That while Jonah was running away and Jonah was making poor cho choices, you know what God was doing? God was rerouting his GPS map so that he can reroute him back to his assignment. And let me tell you today that God could let you deal with your consequences. I could have let that dog deal with his consequences and said, Sabes que? Go. You want to go to the street? Let's see where the street leads you to. 
and it was a female dog and I behaved myself. That was funny, right? I, I, I didn't have that in my notes. I was referring. But I chased after the dog and I rerouted. I rerouted the dog's wrong choices. I want to talk to you today because maybe you're like, you're at a place and you're wondering what, I, I can't, I, I'm in this situation and I'm ready to sleep in the bed that I've made. I appreciate you for owning your responsibility because that's how I see Jonah. I really believe that Jonah asked him, asked to be thrown off the boat because Jonah knew that he deserved death for disobeying God. He's like, I'm, I'm done. You know what, Anthony? I made my bed. Now I'm here. Now I'm here. I'm here and I got to lay in it. But can I tell you that that breakup wasn't a breakup that was meant to hurt you. It was God rerouting your wrong decisions. Can I tell you the reason that you were overlooked in that position, it wasn't because you were not qualified. It's because God knew that he had a calling for you and that job would have taken too many hours. So he was rerouting your wrong decisions. He looked at David when David got Bathsheba pregnant and he said, I know that you messed up. I know that you made a wrong decision, but I have to reroute your choices. And what he did was he said, yeah, you're going to have a kid out of wedlock. Yeah, you're going to have a kid that is an adulterous relationship, but I'm still going to place destiny and purpose and calling over this kid. This kid ends up being the great, 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 of Jesus, the lineage of our savior, because God will reroute your choices. Can I tell you today that you might be here and say, listen, this is the consequences to my choices. I'm ready to eat it. I'm ready to deal with it. I have to pay what I have to pay for. Can I tell you today that while you were avoiding God, God was arranging things. That while you were running, God was rearranging. I'm telling you, you're getting ready to enter your rearranging season of everything God has promised God, re, he reroutes our wrong choices. Why am I here today? Because he rerouted my wrong choices. Why is Lisa here today? Because he rerouted her wrong choices. John's not here because he is just so good at following Jesus. No, he's here because God rerouted his wrong choices. Javi, you can come up now. That's what my notes say. I'm just reading. There you go. The last thing. No, the not, worship team, not yet, not yet, not yet. I'm not done. The last point is God will pursue you with his love because you are his love. I was preparing this message and I said, God pursues you with his love because he is love. And the Lord said, yeah, that's true. He goes, but why do I pursue you with my love? And you know, I gave the real biblical Christian answer. I said, because you are love. He said, yeah, that's true. He said, yeah, that's true. You know what else he said? He said, I love you and I pursue you with my love because I am love. But I pursue you with my love because you are my love. Yeah. <sighs> Can 
Can I show it to you in, in, in Jonah? May, you're going to love this one, May. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. Watch this. I never, I've never seen this before. But Jonah was not pleased at all. Now, when you read that, it's because Jonah is, is unhappy that he went eventually after he, get, he gets spit out of the big fish. The Bible says he turns back and he starts ministering to the people of Nineveh. And when he starts ministering to them, they start coming to God. And they start returning to God so much so that they began to fast and turn to him. And they destroyed all their idols because they started believing in the God of Jonah. And now the Bible says that this displeased Jonah. Catch this, watch this. And he became angry. Jonah, why are you angry, Jonah? He said, Lord, is this not what I said you would do while still in my own country? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. Not because they were scary, it was because you were loving. I ran away from Tarshish because you love people too much. Jonah, why are you angry? Because I knew, I knew that you are kind. I knew that you were a loving God. I knew you're a God that shows pity. I knew that you're a God that is slow to anger. I knew you're a God that's filled with loving kindness and will always be ready to change your mind and not punish. I knew you were just too loving. Look what God says to Jonah at, in verse 11 after a series of conversations that they have with one another. You can read all four chapters in your own time. A great book to read. He goes, should I, should I not have loving pity for Nineveh? The large city where more than 120,000 people live, should I not show love to them? Can you see it? What he's trying to tell Jonah is like, Jonah, the reason that I have mercy on them is the same reason I had mercy on you. Jonah, the reason that I love them is the same reason I love you. You're no different than Nineveh. I pursued you, Jonah, with my love because you are my love and I pursued Nineveh with my love because Nineveh is my love it is there where you find yourself in the pages of Jonah and you realize that there is no difference between Jonah and Nineveh it is there where you begin to discover that the same reason the same reason that God interrupted Jonah's regularly scheduled program is the same reason he was interrupting Nineveh's program. The same reason that God was rerouting Jonah's wrong decisions is the same reason he was rerouting Nineveh's decisions. The same reason that he pursued Jonah with his love is because Jonah was his love. And the same reason he pursued Nineveh with his love is because the same reason that he's pursuing because Nineveh is his love. And the same reason that he's interrupting your regular scheduled program 
with his purpose is the same reason he did it for Jonah. It's because he's just trying to get you to stop running. He says, "Ah, you don't need to run no more, my daughter. You don't need to run no more, my daughter. You don't need to run no more. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to tend to you and care for you and offer you life and life in its fullness. It's here where we see the pages of scripture come to life in the words of Jesus. Because Jesus understood as the worship team comes up that Jonah was simply a picture of the resurrection. For he says that Jonah was in the whale three days. So was the Son of Man, and so the Son of Man will be in the grave for three days. But guess what? Jesus could have been rescued, but he endured the death. He died the death that Jonah should have died. Come on. Woo! Jonah should have died. Jesus should have never died. But he says, Jonah, I'm going to switch places with you. You're going to be rescued from the grave. I'm going to endure the grave die in the grave and be resurrected and conquer the grave you deserve to die I deserve to live but I'm going to give you the privilege of my life and I'm going to experience your death on the cross can I tell you what Easter's about it's about Jesus and his resurrection it's about his spirit now able to dwell on the inside of you because he lived the life that you could not live and he died the death that you could not pay your life let me let me show it to you in Ephesians watch this chapter 2 verse 26 it says once once you were dead because of your disobedience oh you remember that do you see do you see the Jonah in you today because you might be like I'm not running may not be running but you may be avoiding it says while we were dead because of our disobedience and because of our many sins see you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey continue all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature by our very nature we were subject of God's anger just like everyone else but God so rich in mercy he loved us so much that even when we were dead because of our sin you know where Jonah was in the belly of a fish he was dead because of his sin But God's so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even when we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace that you have been saved. Watch this. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. 
and he seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Easter is all about a God who sent his son, the better Jonah, the better Adam, the better Joseph, the better Moses, to pursue us with his love because we are his love. That the tomb is empty this morning so that your heart won't ever have to be empty. Can I tell you where we were? We were in disobedience. We were submerged in our failures. We were submerged in our passions and our desires. But here comes God with his perfect love and his perfect life. And he says, hey, you may not have pursued me. You may have not chose me. You may have not been looking for me. But my love says, I'm going to look after you. I'm going to chase after you. I'm going to pursue you with my love because you are my love. God loved us at our worst gave us his best this is a different kind of love church this is a different kind of love it's a love that is relentless it's a love that even when we betray him even when we turn our back on him even when we say we're not looking for you he says I will never turn my back on you even if, hey, listen, even if you don't believe in him and you're an atheist here, listen, you don't have to believe in God. I want to tell you, you have a God that believes in you in spite of you not believing. His love is persistent. It's determined. It's unyielding. It's unrelenting. And it will never give up. Even though you may wonder, his love will never waver. It's a different kind of love. He says, I love you and I chase after you not to hurt you but to lead you to your purpose. Can we get up on our feet today? If you're in this place, what if God brought you here not just to have a regular, ordinary Easter Sunday. Leave this place and then go about your business. What if the reason that you're here is because God wants you to stop running? I don't know who this message is for, but maybe you're in this place and you just came here curious. You just came here curious. Let me just check it out. Maybe you're not convinced about God and you just came here and you're just like, well, let me just see what God is about. It's Easter. Maybe you're like that. You're like, it's Easter. Why not? Party afterwards. Sure, let's go. Or maybe you're aware that you've walked away. No matter where you are in that spectrum, I want to tell you that what if what if God brought you here to interrupt your plans with his purpose? To reroute any of your wrong decisions and to pursue you with his love because you are his love. What is his love doing? His love is doing this constantly. John. Oh, John is going back to his wrong decisions. Hey, 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 hey. I'm here. 
know you got things to do. I know you, I know you got plans, but listen, I just want to let you know that I got a purpose waiting for you. And you know, you go back to your own decisions, right? You know, we do that all the time. I'll never ever get and two weeks later, some of us get we there. There you go. It's back. Hey, hey, hey! I'm here to reroute you. God reroutes us. How, much, how many of you know? How many of you know? How many of you know that even when God reroutes us, we are so clever with our disobedience and our sin, we somehow find ourselves back in Tarshish. I've been in Tarshish 15 times in three years. Come on, somebody. But God, but God, I really believe that God would have sent the whale a hundred million one times. I just got a pen. I love him and I love Nineveh what is love doing? love is constantly pursuing you even when you don't believe in him he believes in you thank you John so if you're here you say hey I think I think it's time I stop my ship I think it's time I stop running I think it's time I, I realize that God is not chasing me to hurt me he's chasing me to help me that's you you know that God says that you can embrace his love and here's how you do it Romans chapter 10 it says this look look at look how simple it is you know what you want to know what Easter is really about it's, it's more than a Easter is not about a bunny bunnies are cute eggs are cute candies are amazing but that's not the purpose of Easter we have the festivities we do it but one, you want to know what the purpose is watch this because if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave if you believe if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Easter Sunday took place that God raised him from the grave it says you will not you might not 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 if you do this plus your works and plus your devotion and plus your religion and how many times you go to church and how many times you pray no 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 if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the grave you will be saved so that's what I want to pray today if you're in this place by the way Next week is Baptism Sunday. And if you're watching me online, I want to make that invitation to you as well. If you're in this place and you say, my time to stop running has come. I think it's time I stop running. I want to pray for you. And if that's you in this place, I want you to just lift up your hands at the count of three. Say, I'm, 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 I'm ready to stop running. I'm going to count to three. And you might be like, I, I want to stop running, but I don't want to lift up my hand. This is the only... You're only expressing it externally what God is doing on the inside of you. That's all. There's something that solidifies what God has done on the inside of you when you're saying, hey, that's me. I'm ready to stop running. Listen, no crazy stuff is going to happen. It's just you. It's just to acknowledge those that are making that decision today. If you're saying, I want to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he raised from the grave on Easter Sunday. If that's you at the count of three, lift up your hands. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today's the day of salvation. 
three all over this room. Come on, lift up your hands all over this room. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see the hand, I see the hands, I see the hand. Come on, you can put your hands right back down. Put your hands right back down. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus. Thank you for your love. I believe that you died for me. And rose again on the third day. From this day forth. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Today, I stop running. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, come on, let's give God a shout of praise. Begin to open up your mouth as we begin to worship. You can come here to the front and we're going to worship together. Come on. 